Welcome to the Tucker Bass Sports Podcast. I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsor, NorthAmericanDental.com. North American Dental offers membership-based dental plans that feature amazing discounts for dental care services from participating providers nationwide. With just one affordable annual or monthly membership fee, you'll have to access You'll have the access to discounted services including dental care, vision, hearing, and prescription plans. Go to NorthAmericanDental.com for more information. So uh, thank you for joining us today, guys. Uh, we have a special guest, Big T Thurl Bailey, TV analyst for the Utah Jazz. Thanks for joining me today, Big T. How are you? Tucker, I'm doing great, man. Doing really good. How about you? Oh, you know, I'm fantastic. Just trying to enjoy this off season without some jazz basketball. It's coming to a close. The season's about to start up here. It is. I, I think I, I was talking to Craig yesterday. We're about five weeks and change away from camp, opening up and getting ready to start ball. Yeah. Yeah, it comes around fast, man, especially when you're, you know, you were so close last year as a jazz team and making the playoffs. And I'm sure the guys, all the guys are ready to get back into it with uh, with the new additions. Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about some of those new additions. It's the most recent news we've gotten as Jazz fans is we signed our two of our second-round picks, our 52nd pick, Joel Ballenboy, and our 55th pick, Marcus Page. Uh, g- give me some of your thoughts on their summer league performances. Well, I, uh, I actually watched them before the summer league. I watched them come in and, and do their workout for the Jazz in front of the scouts and the coaches. And uh, yeah, I was really, really impressed uh, with both of them. Marcus Page, they came at different times, I believe, but Marcus Page was there when Thon Maker was there. And I thought at that, there were several other guys there too, but I thought Marcus Page outplayed everybody at the camp. And uh, the time that uh, Ballenboy came, I thought he he was the, he worked, nobody's going to work harder than Joel Ballenboy. I saw him play, I actually called one of his games uh, at Weber and, and uh, he will not be outworked. And I, I, I actually thought then that he could be a really good pro uh, with, with a little more maturity and, and a, uh, some help with the transition to the next level. Uh, I think the Jazz did a, did a great job in, in keeping those guys and, and hopefully grooming them uh, to become good pros. Well, I think one thing that we noticed with, with Joe Ballenboy up at Weber State is the, his first couple seasons, it, it took him a while to kind of get used to the speed of play. And I, th- I think it does that with, with big men. Um, but you trying, Are you saying big men aren't as smart as guards? No, 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 no. I'm just saying I think it's harder okay. for, for right. big men to get into the speed of the game for, yeah. um, I, I guess, as it gets faster throughout the next level. And the levels. physicality, too. The physicality, too. And, and you're right. You're exactly right. It does a lot of times take big men because of, I think, footwork and, and even defensively. Because uh, the game has changed now. I mean, guys, big guys have to be um, a little more athletic, a little more apt to not just be inside players, be able to knock down a 10, 15, 20-foot shot, sometimes even a three. So you're exactly right. I think it, 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 there is a learning curve there. But the, jazz, the Jazz's philosophy, I think, really caters toward those kind of players. Well, and I, I think you see his progression the same as maybe a Trey Lyles, he he doesn't have the outside shot necessarily yet, but you can see it. You can see the development during the summer league, especially when he was confident in taking his jumper. He was knocking it down. He was pretty consistent from about that 15 to 17-foot range on the junction. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's that stretch four that you see um, to have the the strength and ability to to work inside the paint, but also to draw the defender out and be able to knock that shot down consistently. I think it's really a must in this league now. Well, so speaking to Trey Lyles, what did what did you see from him that you liked that maybe he had progressed on that you maybe wanted to see him progress on from the end of the last season? Well, I, this past the last season, I I saw great progression from him from you know a kid who came from a great college program but um, even in college you know he was asked to play the the three spot because of all the horses that they had on that team in Kentucky but um, coming to the pros again you talk about transitioning I I think his college play helped him because now in the NBA he, he is a three and um, and he can be depending on who you're playing a stretch four uh, he got a lot more comfortable as the season went on and knocking that, that jump shot down from the three-point line and a little bit in. But he also got comfortable at putting the ball on the floor at 6'8", six, 6'9", six, uh, being able to do that with that size and go to the basket strong says a lot about a rookie. So I think the next uh, step for him this year is one to improve on those things, but also to be a little bit more vocal. He was kind of a quiet rookie, and he just went out and did his work, and that's okay. But I think he's got the personality of a player who can bring a lot more of that enthusiasm and 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 and, and that energy, if you will, off the bench. Yeah, agreed. I I was one of the most outspoken people. I think uh, when we originally drafted him, I was kind of looking more towards shooting at at first. I didn't know that he could shoot as well as, as he's shown that he can as of late. Um, so I was kind of looking more towards a Devin Booker at that number 12 spot, you know, the year before. So I didn't know how he would fit in. Um, but I think, like you yeah. said, Quinn and, and the Jazz have done a great job getting him touches within the offense, getting him comfortable, especially with in the summer league. I mean, he averaged 29 points per game, nine rebounds, and shot over 46, uh, 47% from the three. So... Yeah, I agree. And I think in the summer league somewhat, um, they were trying to force feed him a little bit to get him comfortable. Um, he took a lot of shots, um, but he did show that, you know, he has taken, he's, he has the ability to take on more responsibility now uh, at, at this level. Uh, you know, you hate to lose a guy like D. Booker, but um, he, he's the kind of guy who, brings that kind of brings that energy we, we've been talking about you need someone now to kind of fill that void uh, Booker was not a, a relied on offensive play although he made some big plays defensively and offensively during games so you're gonna have to replace that and hopefully uh, Trey can be one of those guys yeah, let's let's talk about some of the other newly acquired uh, the vets I guess we could we could call him George Hill for instance acquired in that three-team trade with Atlanta uh, in Indiana, he's been to two Western Conference Finals appearances, I believe. Shoots the three ball pretty well. He can pass, plays lockdown defense, uh, was a pretty good defender, and I think he'll show that a little bit more in in the Western Conference. Um, but, I mean, he shot over 40% from three last year. So uh, what exactly do you think What exactly do you think he can bring uh, to, the, to the Utah Jazz this year? Well, I think what the Jazz have really been looking for is uh, – a point guard who can facilitate because the jazz jazz have a lot of facilitators on their team right now. Uh, you know, look at Gordon Hayward. Uh, he's a primary scorer and a facilitator, but I think the most important position you have to be 
have secured as that point guard. And obviously, it it it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't with Trey Burke. You know, they didn't get the kind of point guard play they wanted out of him. And so, you know, when you are looking at improving, it's got to start with that spot. Who can you bring in uh, that has a veteran pedigree and can play that point guard spot, defend that position really well, and also uh, score himself. And I think George will, will really bring that to the Jazz. Oh, he's been around long enough now to to know what the Jazz's system offers, and I think he can be a star in it. Well, I think he knows what to expect as well with Dennis Lindsay initially, I guess, being in part of being part of the crew that drafted him in San, in San Antonio. So I think he knows what to expect coming here, but also just how much more it makes the Utah Jazz comfortable with Dante Exum, not having to rush him back into the lineup, being able to put George Hill at the starting point guard to start the season. And then, yes, if, if Dante shows the progression and shows that he can take over, then maybe halfway through the season you give him that opportunity. But, I mean, George Hill just gives the Jazz so much confidence at that point guard position, I think. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't disagree with you. I, I, I think uh, I, I have yet to agree that uh, Dante, even before he got hurt, was NBA ready. I think he needed a couple years of, of one good health and then just breaking into the league. Um, I don't know if I see him taking the point guard spot from George Hill unless George Hill loses it. You know, I think it's his to lose um, or his to give up. But, uh, you know, Dante's still young, and I think that he's going to learn a lot. Uh, he's, and I think he's going to come through this year with a lot of energy, a lot of fire, and a lot of hunger uh, to, be, to be a great point guard. But um, a lot of ingredients on that team. So, you know, health is going to be the number one issue for everybody, obviously. But um, with a guy like Dante being hurt once, I think as a team you have to wonder. Uh, you know, you, you can't put all your eggs in that basket and say he's going to be our guy. He's going to have to earn that. But now we've gone out and gotten a veteran guy who has proved, uh, and we're familiar with him, like you said, uh, that he can come into this system and, and make a mark right away. Well, and we'll also look at some of the other additions that Dennis Lindsay was able to reel in for the Utah Jazz this offseason. Iso Joe, for instance, a big name that I wasn't, hearing in in the rumor mills to, to begin the off season. And then all of a sudden it kind of just came through that Joe Johnson really liked the idea of being in a small town again and kind of feeling like he was back in Arkansas, but uh, the guy can shoot the three ball. Obviously he's a little bit slower offensively because uh, he's a little bit older than he used to be. So he gives up a little bit in that aspect, but he can back somebody down in the post. There's so many things that he can do for this jazz team. What kind of role do you think he'll play on this, on this roster? Well, I think what you have to do first off is look at what Joe did last year. And when he filled in for Chris Bosch in Miami, he did a fantastic job. I mean, he did a, he did a veteran's job. He was a leader. Um, he could fill it up. So I think you have to really go off. What have you, what has he done lately? And that's really what he's done. Uh, and then you get that veteran again. You, you know, I don't think you're going to be here. You're not going to be hearing anything, if anything, about this Jazz team being too young or being one of the youngest teams in the league. That's why this happened or that happened. 
they're way past that now with, with, with these selections, especially with guys like Joe. And Joe is going to be a great, uh, a great uh, support guy to what the Jazz's core already is. Uh, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench, um, he's going to provide a lot for the Jazz on both ends of the court. Well, I think there was three major necessities uh, for the Jazz to take care of this offseason. The first one was, was depth. All capitals was on probably their first thing that they had to address, which they did. Getting Boris Diaw as well from San Antonio, um, keeping Joe Ingles, having him as your maybe your fourth or fifth wing instead of being your second or third wing. Yeah, he's a great player to fit that kind of role. Just the brilliance of Dennis Lindsay the last few few years through the draft, uh, through trades, through not making trades and not making deals as well as help the team uh, get, get to where they've needed to be? Well, you know, I, I think, I think the first priority, not to disagree with you because it is about depth. I think the first priority was the point guard spot because after you secure that, then you can get deeper. You can say, okay, what pieces we've got the point guard spot at the anchor of this, in, in the middle of this, this circle, and what can we put around them? How can we make this team better with a uh, quarterback, if you will, at yeah. the helm? How, how can we make Gordon Hayward better and not have to have him be our point forward all the time? Exactly. And so, uh, you know, when you do that, when you take care of that priority first, now you start to get the, and I'm going to use this phrase with you. I haven't heard anybody else use it yet, but the, the, the French connection is very important. Yep. And not just because Dial um, can play or he's because he's from France. It's because now you've got a couple of guys who are very familiar with, familiar with each other um, from France that uh, people don't understand how that makes your life a little bit better um, when, you, when you've got a, a great relationship like that. Um, so... You know, when you when you put all those ingredients together, and the Jazz do a great job of this. Dennis Lindsay, Coach Snyder, they I think they really look at um, different elements besides basketball that that can make this team better. And, and when you when you look at those kind of things, it just it just uh, it just makes your team better all the way around. So I'm I'm really excited for what I see coming. Well, you bring up a good point. They did the same exact type of thing with Joe Ingles and Dante Exum, uh, two guys who are very familiar with each other, grew, grew up through the same programs in Australia, who, I mean, obviously they speak the same language as us, but speak the same language uh, yeah. as being in the same type of culture, uh, yep. just having that type of famili- familiarity with somebody on the team, it kind of helps you feel like you're more a part of that team, I feel like. Um, yeah, but, and, that's, and that's really important for Rudy, I believe, yeah. uh, because of he's he's really starting to come on as, uh, as a pro now. Um, I don't think there's any question he's going to be top three in the league defensively. Um, and, and not just in blocking shots, but in keeping guys out of the paint, period. Because a lot of guys don't even want to go in there because they know what the outcome will probably be. And it's not going to be in their favor. So um, to have a guy like Diaw who can still play and contribute Again, at San Antonio, 
uh, philosophy coming to Utah. Um, it's it's going to be nice to see those two work together at times out there on the court too. Well, so now that we've kind of talked about the roster in a whole, uh, I mean, we're also getting Alec Burks back. Uh, Alec Burks back. Um, obviously, we've made a few other changes by not signing a few people, uh, trading away Trey Burke. But what type of realistic expectations can you have on this team? Because we've seen all the experts on ESP. ESPN predicting that we're the fourth best bench uh, or, or the fifth best starting lineup and the best bench in the NBA. So, I mean, what type of expectations should Jazz fans have going into the season? Well, those are those are obviously opinions based on individual players and and, and things that happened last year with the core group and everybody. It's going to be different if you ask. You know, another person. I, I, I just like to. Uh, I don't put much stock one in the preseason. I've been involved in a lot of them, and I know it's a preparation period to see who's going to mesh and, um, and and kind of how your lineups are going to turn out. Those may change throughout the course of the season. Uh, but as much as I know about basketball, and as much as I know about this Jazz team, uh, the one thing you have to compare that to is everybody else. You don't. You can't really say how, what everybody else is going to be doing and how they're going to be. But with that, I look at last year and I look at uh, barely missing the playoffs. Uh, they will make the playoffs this year. I, and I think that it would be a disappointing, disappointing season if they didn't, especially in their eyes as players and I think as fans, because I think we've, we've got the caliber of, of players and, and guys now that um, – looking at the rest of the league, we should be there. We should be there. And not just barely getting in. Yep. So, you know, I don't I don't dispute the the, the fourth best or fifth best. Um, I, I say, especially as an ex player, I say let's you know, let's start playing. Yep. And let's end up where we end up. Yep. Because um, you can end up you could end up better than that. Yep. It's it's not about the way you talk, it's about the way you walk. Um as we've seen, there you go. so so hopefully, hopefully the, I mean I'm I'm wishing and praying. It's been a long time coming for for Jazz Nation to to get a really good team to to get behind. Obviously, us diehards can get behind any team just because that's that's what we believe in. It's it's in our roots, um, and and I guess to kind of go back to the roots of of Utah, we we got another matchup. I I know it's not speaking Jazz, but it's it's coming up. Uh, BRU versus Utah football game. It's about two or three weeks away. What any predictions? Uh, you know, from a from a person who didn't grow up here, I mean, I, I I'm into the rivalry now, um, but I'm not one of those people that kind of grew up one one side or the other or came into Utah one side or the other. But all I know is it's going to be a brawl. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a great competitive game, and. Um, you know, I don't. I don't really cheer for one team or the other just because I'm one of those sports enthusiasts that says, "Just give me a great game. Yep. Just give me a good game and may the best team win." And I'll let I'll let the diehards, I'll let the, you know, the divided households and families, uh, get into that. I I think that is a fantastic way uh, to leave it. Uh, a lot of a lot of Utah and BYU fans kind of get a little bit too into it. Um, 
I, that's okay too. Yeah, I mean, you it, know, it is. That's what rivalries are all yeah, about. Yeah, we need those extremes in in some things in life. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, you, you can't fault them. Um, but uh, Thurl, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I, I know you have a busy schedule. So, again, thank you so much. And a huge shout-out to our sponsor again, NorthAmericanDental.com. Join us next time on the podcast. Thank you so much. With a T and your last name ends with a B. Hey. You are the man. Thanks, Good man. Good luck, buddy. Thanks, buddy.